0: Good morning, church family. Hey, if you guys love Jesus, let's make some noise for him this morning. Come on, let's praise him in this place. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Yeah, as, uh, as Jarrett mentioned, we, we had an incredible week, uh, prayer and fasting, just um, some, some awesome times early in the morning. Uh, there's, there's something special about just getting up early before anything else has gone on. And, uh, and spending some time in the presence of God, and, and had uh, a good good group of people showing up for that. And in the evenings, it was awesome too, um, just having really a, a strong group of people showing up each night. And we had a devotional and worship and prayer. And it's it's been it's been really really cool. Although I will say that it started off a little rough um, because for us as a family, we decided that we were going to do the Daniel fast together as a family. um, But that we were also going to fast technology as a family. Well, we weren't very smart and forgot that Monday was Martin Luther King Day and they weren't going to be at school. (laughs) And uh, there's nothing quite like having four young children at home eating like cows, essentially, uh, or any other kind of vegetarian and not being able to use any kind of technology. And and then Snow Apocalypse two thousand eighteen came that night and and then we had a snow day the next day and that was the Lord's just so funny, you know? Just the way he does his thing. And uh but then that lasted two days and so uh, but we, hey, we, we didn't have to worry about having our milk sandwiches because we were fasting that anyway. So we were set on that. But uh, I have noticed when you fast, I know a lot of you had participated in different ways with the fast by fasting different things. But I've noticed that when you fast, uh, you can get in a little bit of a habit of of lying to yourself, primarily just trying to convince yourself that things that you are able to eat tastes very similar to the things that you're not able to eat. And usually my wife is a really truthful person, uh, typically speaking, but she lied this week. Uh, I mean, multiple times. It started off at the beginning of the week when she said, James, the Daniel fast is just like Whole30. The only difference is with Whole30, you can eat meat. And I'm like, yeah, that's not anywhere close to the same thing. That's that's like saying that unsweet tea and sweet tea is the same thing. And we all know that's clearly a lie from the pit of hell. And so, uh, so, and then later on in the week, we're having this chili. And it was essentially vegan chili. And it actually tasted pretty good. My wife did a great job this week with getting creative, with, with trying to figure out ways to get our kids to eat this stuff. And, uh, but we're eating this chili. And in the middle of, and it had quinoa in it. How many of y'all ever had quinoa before? Okay, well, it it tastes about as good as it sounds. And so uh, we had some quinoa in it. And and while we're eating, sitting at the dinner table, she looks over at me. She says, hmm, the quinoa in this chili, the texture of it is almost like ground beef. I'm like, no, no, it's not. So that's a hashtag DanielFastLie for you. Um, I'll be rolling plenty of those out on social media when I get back on. But we are talking about worship this week. And here's the thing, when you talk about worship, if you ask 100 different people in our church or a 100 different people in any other church, what is worship? You would probably get a 100 different answers. And some of that is because a lot of us had a lot of different church backgrounds. Some of you are like me, like you, you went through multiple different types of churches with different types of worship. And and so some of it would be on the context of church that would create the different answers that you had. And a lot of the differences that you see in church, if you trace it back, a lot of change happened around the seventies because in the seventies, there were some technological advances in, in instruments and that type of thing, but, but more importantly, there was some major revival that was happening in churches. That's when the Jesus movement happened. And so different expressions in worship started to come about. And, and if, if you look at that time frame, in a sense, you could call it like a church war when it came to the culture of worship. And most churches kind of went one way or the other. They, they went more contemporary in their style of worship, while others wanted to remain more traditional in their style of worship. And so there, the questions were things like, well, you know, do you have acoustic guitar or electric guitar? Do you have drums or no drums? Do you have an organ or do you have a piano or, or can you have keys? Do you have a choir or no choir? Should the choir wear robes or not wear robes? Uh, do, you, do you have hymns or can you write new songs? Do you put the lyrics up on a screen or do you need to read out of a book? And as silly as it may sound, churches are still incredibly divided over those elements of different types of worship. And, and unfortunately there are some churches that are very similar to ours, that may be more progressive, more cutting edge in their worship, that, that, that have all the technology and all those things are fine, but they may have gotten to a place where they feel like, because we're the most progressive and we're the most cutting edge, we're doing it better. And in fact, we may even be better as a church than other churches that they figured out something that nobody else has. Well, I guarantee you this God is not up in heaven. And he's like, Hey, angels gather around. This church has a very modern sound. Wow. Good for them. I've never heard anything quite like it before, but I do know that I don't want our legacy as a church to be how cool and cutting edge the worship music was. That is not the legacy that we want as a church. We definitely don't want to resemble this next verse that I'm gonna read you. In Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, it says, "'These people came come near to me with their mouth "'and they honor me with their lips, "'but their hearts are far from me. "'Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men, Meaning we get away from bringing our heart before our heavenly father, bringing our worship to him, it being about him. And it gets to a place where we're just doing what everyone else is doing. We're doing what we were taught to do. And whatever that looks like, we just do what we were taught to do. Whatever man taught us to do instead of God, what are you asking of me in worship? What do you want me to bring you In worship. Now, thankfully, as a church, we are not known for this. We are not known as a church that just honors God with our lips. We bring our heart, but I do know this there are many in our church that you want desperately to get close to the heart of God, but your lack of willingness. To express worship to him is keeping you a long ways away from who he is. The thing is, worship is not something that you do. It is who you are. It is what you were created to be. It's like me being a dad. I'm a dad no matter where I am. No matter where I am, I'm a dad. I am not just a dad when I'm sitting at the dinner table, eating a meal or praying over a meal. That's that's not the only time I'm a dad. I'm a dad all the time. Worship is very similar. Worship is not the first 25 minutes of a service. Worship is who God created you to be. And so it is much more encompassing than a lot of times what we understand or realize. I think that may apply even more in the Bible Belt. I think in the Bible Belt, we can have a very narrow view of what worship is. Because for a lot of people, worship is synonymous with singing. That is worship. You see it on church signs. Worship at 10 a.m. or whatever the time would be. That's what worship is. And we love to sing. And we love music. But worship is way more than that. Worship is where God gets more of us and we get more of him. It's a choice of ours, not just in a service, but in every day of our lives, in every moment of our lives to say, I'm living for him, for his glory, with everything that I have. So because of that, worship is not really about my needs or my preference. Or what I think sounds good or doesn't sound good. Because I know that we have people in here that you, you're you like, man, I don't like that song as much as some other song. Or I went to church before and they did that song a lot better than these people just did that song. Or why are they missing, messing with that hymn? Why are they messing with that? What was wrong? There's nothing wrong with that hymn. They don't need to dress it up, make it all fancy like that. Leave that hymn alone. But it's really not about that. It's about our hearts and full extension towards our heavenly father. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 15 says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The truth is real praise and worship, it defies definition. It's, It's something that can only be experienced because it is indescribable. It is an indescribable gift of God when we as individuals get to connect with him through our worship. Have you ever had something in your life that you went through, you experienced it, and there just isn't any way to describe it? You would try to describe it to someone else, but it's hard to describe it. It's kind of like a Harley Davidson. Okay, How many ever rode a Harley Davidson before? Okay, Now, it's hard to describe what's different about riding a Harley Davidson than riding any other kind of motorcycle, but it's different. But if somebody asks you, you're like, well, tell me, tell me, what's it, what's it like to ride a Harley Davidson? You're just going to be like, oh God, so loud, fast, really tough feeling, manly. Like you're just going to sound like a four-year-old trying to describe something. Because there's some things in life that can only be experienced. You have to experience it. John 4.23 says this. A time is coming now. Everybody say now. Now. And has come when true worshipers will worship the Lord in spirit. Everybody say spirit. Spirit. And in truth. Everybody say truth. I think this breaks down simplistically what worship should be for all of us. First of all, worship is now. Worship is now. Now in the greek that word now is the word nyn which is pronounced noon but essentially what it means is it means to be present worship is in the present it's much like faith faith is now faith is not something that we hope to have sometime in the future faith is not something that we will have when we need it or when god shows up or when god does what we're asking him to do Faith is now waiting and having hope for what we believe that he is going to do. Worship is not something that we are storing up and waiting to give to God when we get to heaven or when he does something that we feel deems him worthy of worship. Worship is now. It is being present in the fact that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever because he is good. Whether we are in the middle of what we feel like is good or not, we are present in his presence. And so we worship him because he is worthy. Have you ever been around somebody that just wasn't present when you were trying to talk to them? Anybody that has a teenager in your house knows what I am talking about. No offense, teenagers. Most of the time they are listening. There is just nothing that communicates about any of their body posture that suggests that they are listening. It doesn't seem like they're present. God wants us to be present. Worship is now. It's now. Worship is also spirit. Worship is also spirit. We are flesh, but the thing that is going to be eternal is our spirit. It's our spirit. And so it is our spirit worshiping his spirit, his Holy Spirit. Now in the Old Testament, the only way that you could get close to the Spirit of God, to the presence of God, is you had to go to the tabernacle or to the temple. And the only way you you could get into the temple is you had to obey a whole long list of rules and you had to make sacrifices. And then you tried to kind of make your way closer and closer to the presence of God from the outer courts to the holy place, to the holies of holies, where the presence of God dwelled. But the only way you could get there is through killing animals, And by living by a list of rules, it was impossible really for anybody to live by. But because of Jesus, he completed the law. He completed the law. He became the perfect sacrifice. And because of that, his spirit is not in a temple. It is not in a place. We are the temple. You are the temple. Every person who is called on Jesus is their Lord and Savior. You are the temple, the dwelling place of the spirit of the living God. And it is so important for you to understand that. We are thankful for crosses, but we don't worship the cross. We are thankful for communion, but we don't worship communion. We are thankful for water baptism, but we don't water worship water baptism because those are physical things. We worship the spirit of the living God. We worship him. And it's important that you get that because if worship for you is a place, and a time, it is a physical thing and not spirit. Then the moment that you leave that place in that time, you will leave behind your heart of worship like a crumpled up bulletin. But God called you to carry your worship with you, to worship in spirit, but also in truth. Worship is truth. Now, this means knowing his truth. It's knowing his word. But it also means being sincere. It means be real, authentic. God will love you no matter what, but he especially loves to be around people that are honest and real and raw. I can't think of one person that has ever said, man, I just really want to go hang out with all my hypocritical friends. They are just, it's just a blast to be around those people. We don't think that way because our friends are the people that we're real with, that we're genuine with. And that is the heart that God is looking for. He's looking, look, you can come in here and you can do all the right things in worship as far as how you posture yourself physically. But if you're not being honest in your heart, you're not worshiping in truth. God is looking for you to be honest. And you can come in here and not do anything and not express yourself, but in your heart, you're extending vulnerability and humility towards the presence and the spirit of God. And he will accept that as your worship. A while back, I was meeting with a businessman and he's very sharp, successful, very savvy, savvy. And the beginning of the conversation was about business and about hobbies. And it was fun. We talked about a few cool subjects. And then he just, he flipped a switch. And he he started telling me that there were some areas of his life that he knew did not line up with the will of God. That he needed to confess and that he needed to repent of. And fighting back tears, he began to tell me about these areas and telling me how desperately he wanted to be free. And I'll tell you this, that in that moment, we went into the holies of holies, but we didn't go to a temple because he is the temple. But right there, we experienced worship at a Starbucks with people around us. We worshiped God because God loves when we're real and we're honest and we're truthful in his presence. He accepts that as worship. You may come into a service at some point and I've observed this, might be a non-believer in a service. And the thing is when you watch a non-believer in a worship service, you may see them not really paying attention, just kind of looking around. They might be on their phone. They might be talking to somebody next to them. And you know what? You, you expect that from a non-believer because they have, have not become the temple of the Holy Spirit yet. But the sad thing is sometimes that happens with Christians too. Where they're just not focused on what is most important. What is the priority? I got to go to a Hogs game a while back. I've only been to one Hogs game and they got beat. Weird. Uh, (laughs) But when I was at the Hogs game, look, I'm a football fan, but the Hogs are my second choice. My first choice is the Broncos. But if I go to the Hogs game, like, I'm going to cheer. I cheered for the Hawks. I even called the hogs. It was weird, but I did it. And when they did something good, I was like, all right, that was, that was good. I, I liked that. That was a good, good play. That was a good throw. Didn't happen much, but it was every once in a while. That was a good play on defense. I would cheer for them. But they are not my first choice. If I go to a Broncos game, I am going absolutely nuts the whole game. Crazy. Because they are my first choice. I'm just not always sure that when we come to worship God, that he's convinced that he's our first choice. That he is what we would pick over anything else. There are so many things that are good that God has given us. But God wants you to crave worship more than anything because that's his presence. God wants you to crave it more than a cup of coffee by the fireplace. God wants you to crave it more than a new car, a new house, a new boat. God wants you to crave worship because it is better than CrossFit, ice cream, football, His presence is best. He is good. I want to quickly go over some words that mean worship. There are seven words in the Bible, Hebrew words, for the word praise or worship. And and I think this can give you some context for different ways that you will see people express worship. The first word is halal or hallelujah. It's where we get the word hallelujah. It means to boast, to rave, to celebrate, to be excited, to enjoy. It says in Psalm twenty-two, twenty-six: those who seek the Lord will praise halal him. Now, I think this is important. At one point or another in your worship and praise towards God, like that you're excited about who he is. Could you imagine working on something for 20 years for your kids? You're putting something together. You, you, you put all the details. You worked really, really hard on this. And then when you brought it to them, they were like, oh, Thanks. Oh, that's cool. God saw you before the foundation of the earth. God has been sovereign and faithful in his promises throughout the generations. And he has championed you every day of your life. He deserves our halal. He deserves our hallelujah. Another word, yada, not Yoda. Mm, worship him, you will. And it's not like that. It's to acknowledge him with extended hands, open hands, reaching out to God. There's an example of this in Second Chronicles where Jehoshaphat and the Levites went out praising God in a battle, lifting their hands and praising God with their hands raised up. And it says the enemy turned against themselves and self-destructed. That is powerful. That in a place of surrender to God, in a place of openness to God, that's where your battle will be won. I love as a dad, I love when my kids run up to me and extend their hands towards me and say, Dad, they don't have to say anything. I know what they need. God likes that too. He loves it when his sons and daughters run to him with open arms. Psalm 138.1, I will praise Yada, you, O Lord, with all my heart. Another word, Barak, not Barak, not the president, but Barak means to bless, to give thanks while kneeling or bowing, giving thanks with expectation, Giving thanks with expectation, being bowed and giving thanks with expectation. Going to church expecting is not going to church pregnant, although you guys are really good at that too. But going to church with expectancy is, I believe that God is gonna move. You posture yourself in a place of expectation. Psalm 103, one, praise Barach, the Lord, O my soul, in my inmost being, praise his holy name. Another word, zamar. By the way, raising your hands, getting on your knees in worship. You don't have to do it here in this service, but I would strongly encourage you sometime, somewhere, it may be the privacy of your home, posture yourself before God like that. I believe he's gonna show up. In other words, Zamar, it means to make music to God while touching strings on an instrument, most of the time accompanied by a voice. How I many you guys are thankful that we have some people and know how to play the guitar around here? Amen? It says in Psalm 92:1, it is good to praise, Zamar the Lord, and make music with your, to your name, O Most High. Another word, Shabbat. Shabbat, it means to address with a loud clap. Psalm 17, one, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. This is not senior tour golf clap. It's like, oh, good job, she says. This is clapping with everything you have. You need to know this. Heaven is going to be loud with God's praise. I mean, the clapping that you will hear in heaven will be deafening. It'll be deafening. Another word, tahila, not tequila. So some of y'all just perked up, like not knocking down a fifth at church. But this means exuberant singing and shouting. tequila. And here's the thing, it doesn't say good singing. Amen. Because the word says just to make a joyful noise. Honestly, some of the most powerful and anointed worship that I've ever been in I've been around people that could not sing a lick or clap with any kind of rhythm. But they sang and they clapped with all of their heart towards God. And it's powerful. Another word, talda. Talda means to extend your heart with confession. That's what I had with that businessman at Starbucks. Talda. The word means to extend your heart, to declare openly and freely what is true, to admit what is true. So you've noticed there's some chairs behind me, and that's because I'm going to invite some of our worship team, some of my friends to come out here and join us. Come on out, guys. And uh, these guys are going to help us learn a little bit more about worship today. As they're coming out, let's give these guys a hand. We appreciate our worship team. All these guys. Hello. Uh, and I want to, I'll go ahead and introduce them to you. Of course, on the far end, most of you guys know who Ethan is. He's our worship pastor here. I uh, appreciate him. And uh, it's, it's he and his wife, Emily, and their, their little son, Emmett. And, and Emmett is one of the cutest kids you've ever seen in your life. And, and we are all thankful that he takes after his mother. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, we love you, Ethan. Appreciate you. And then we have Stephanie. And I uh, appreciate Stephanie. And uh, and Stephanie is proof that a very large voice can be in a very small person, and because uh, she she can belt, and uh, and we appreciate her and her gift. And then we have Melissa, and uh, and her family go here. Actually, Brad, who is Melissa's husband, he will help us um, mix our sound. He's not back there right now, but he'll help us mix sound sometimes. And I've often wondered. What does that car ride home look like? Like when he is mixing the sound and she's singing, like is she, is she ever like, I don't like what you did with my voice today. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm sure that doesn't happen, but it's kind of a funny picture in my mind. And then we have Renee and uh, Renee and her husband, Jarrett, and, and he's, he's one of our pastors here. And Renee, um, she helps lead worship. Um, but she's also a full-time mom of five, works full-time as a nurse, leads our medical team here, helps teach, re-engage. And so we're really just hoping Renee can find some purpose in her life <laughs> at some point, uh, you know, just to do something. So um, we appreciate her and, and all that she does. And then we have Madison. And I uh, appreciate you do. And, uh, and Madison's real involved with helping wor- lead worship with our youth. Um, but Madison, what I like about Madison is when he is leading worship, we have to kind of like create space for him because he is not going to stay in one place. Like we just like a, a tape of a boundary of tape where don't go in here, you could get hit by a guitar at any given point. And so uh, I appreciate how passionate is he is towards worship. And, and I'm actually gonna start with you, Madison. I, I wanna address, um, these are questions and things that I know that a lot of us are thinking through. And I wanna address this idea that, that as men it, it can be difficult we understand it. it can be difficult to express ourselves in worship that that we have been given this idea and this concept that to come before God and and whether it 's raising our hands or even singing or whatever it is that 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 feels it feels weird or it feels weak uh, and and so you 're a man i 'm a man how, how would you help someone like that, it might not just be a man. It may just be someone that has a strong personality, a strong leader, and it's just difficult for them to express themselves. So how could you help address that?
1: Well, I can definitely say that as a man, I have problems submitting to authority. It's not my favorite thing to do, but I have to look at it, I have to change my perspective. And if you look at like the military, uh, when a general or when the president, when they enter a room, it is everybody goes to attention and they salute because they're submitting to that authority and they're honoring their authority. And when I worship, it's it it doesn't, like you can't look at it as it being weak. You have to look at it as I'm submitting to you, God. Like I'm showing you that this is me honoring you. And, and I'm a dad, I'm a husband and It is my job to be the spiritual leader in my house, and I can tell you that while I'm sitting next to my wife, while we're in a worship service, if I express myself and I raise my hands when I sing out, I'm paving the way for my wife to follow along, and she's gonna do it. And then I've got a two-year-old, I hope one day when he can come and sit in big church, that he can see us worshiping and he can feel like he can do that and express himself and and honestly there in my opinion I don't think that there's more of a manly way of being bold and saying that when it comes to me submitting to God, I'm in business and I'm gonna raise my hands because this is my God.
0: I do I do think it's interesting though that some of the things, some of the ways that we might express ourselves in worship. Uh, and I don't want you, this, there's no condemnation in this at all, because we're not saying that worshiping God means raising your hands. We've clearly communicated worshiping God is in every area of your life. But in something like that, in some expression of worship that, that some of us as men, we feel like, man, that just feels weird. That That doesn't feel very masculine. Well, neither is this. spirit fingers. And so uh, if, if you can muster up the gumption to do that, i bet you can find something you can give for God too. I'm just guessing there's a good chance that that could be in there somewhere. Uh, Stephanie, uh, we know uh, we, you have an incredible gift to sing and, and lead and worship. It's also very apparent that you are not just doing that out of a place of gifting that your passion for the Lord, your passion for how you worship it, it, you know, those that know your testimony know that it stems from something that's a lot deeper than just what's in that moment on the stage and when you're leading a song. And so how has there been a time in your life that, you know, that worship has impacted you deeply personally?
2: For sure.
3: Um, Around 2009, uh, 2008, 2009, I went through a separation and um, ultimately a divorce after 15 years of marriage. Uh, so the first time in my adult life, I found myself completely alone with two young children, trying to figure out what was next. Um, you know, it was it was tough. Um, I'm not much of a reader, so when I was pouring myself into devotion after devotion and book after book on how to be your better wife, how to pray for your husband, how to get through these difficult circumstances, I just, nothing was really um, clicking with my soul. Uh, They were great books, but nothing was really connecting to my spirit. Um, Little did I know that God was already working and God was already paving a way for healing in my life because I had just a few months earlier become part of the worship team. And so we met every week for rehearsals. Uh, we're always the first ones there on Sunday, and so I would drag my two little girls to every Thursday night rehearsal. They would be there, some of the first ones there every Sunday morning, and they'd just run around, and uh, while we rehearsed, um, I got so comfortable with that group. They became my family. Um, so much so that I would change diapers on the stage because I didn't want to miss a second of being away from just an opportunity to be in the Spirit. Um, And the songs we would sing just became messages, uh, messages of hope, messages of encouragement, and they just spoke to me. So all week long as I was preparing, I was feeding my spirit and my soul, and God was just doing a work in me. Um, so through that season, my my uh, mode of worship, the way I worship completely changed. Um, God healed me completely, and so I feel like I need to worship Him completely. And so now for me, it looks like um, arms open wide as far as they will go. Um, I, I move a lot. I feel like I need to move a lot, and so... I joke with my husband all the time, I need you to sit a few seats down because I need my space so that I can move. And Madison and I are not good to put next no, to each other, by no. the way, just saying. So that's, that's what it looks like for me, though. I feel like I, the healing that I experienced gives me um, what I need to worship fully um, and completely, and I feel like he deserves nothing less than that.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's good. Renee, we, we've already talked about, you know, you, you've got a lot of different uh, plates that you're spending, a lot of different things that you're, you're doing and invested in. And, and so it's clear that that life uh, for you on this stage, you know, there's way more that you're spending off this stage. There's a lot more that you're doing with your life that just isn't here and during a song or when you're leading. So for you, what, is, what does worship look like when you aren't here, when you're off of this stage in your life?
2: Well, I try to be as authentic out there with you as I am up here, but the truth is I'm just like you and I have worries and stress and life that gets in the way and it takes my focus away from what I am purposed to do, which is to worship our God. So I walk in heavy at times and Don't really feel like worshiping, and since I'm not in a spotlight, I'm thinking, okay, this is my chance that I don't have to put it all in like I do on the stage, but then the worship team hits the stage, and all of my friends are up here giving everything they've got, and then the spirit of worship and praise enters the room, and the words give me the messages that Stephanie was speaking of, and God reminds me in that moment, Renee, I am bigger than your worry. I am bigger than what you're going through. I'm bigger than your problems. Just trust me. And a way that I can trust him and show him that I trust him is to surrender myself in worship. And so that's my hands lifted high and saying, God, I surrender to you. And I give you praise because you are everything. But he also tells me in his word that to praise him with everything that I am with my whole heart in Psalms 108 praising with everything in me. So that means in my daily life, I worship God. It's not all about in this church. It's outside of these walls when I go to work to have a good attitude and let the Holy Spirit be visible through me to my coworkers and to everyone around me and smiling, having a good attitude, not getting caught up in gossip and drama, just being a Christ follower But it's also when I'm at Walmart and I need to run in really quick for something and I only have this much time and I have my two items and I'm at the express lane and somebody cuts me off with a basket full of clothes or whatever items. And what do I do in that moment? That is my moment to worship God. That's my moment to give that person grace. And to be kind to the cashier when I go get to her because or him, because I'm sure they've encountered a lot of rude people. That means giving my waitress a great tip or a waiter a great tip and being kind to them as they serve me. It, it's, it's about living my life every day. Yeah.
0: So what you're saying is some of our greatest moments of worship are going to be on 167. <laughs> That's what she's saying. Like Some of the most powerful prayers... And times of worship that you have you get to have it first thing in the morning <laughs> isn't God good and supplying that opportunity to you amen amen uh Melissa uh I know for me as a communicator and and, tr- and trying to get people to connect to the heart of God through his word it helps me when people are engaged and people are listening and uh you know and and and, and I don't even mind when people just respond a little bit, you know, when, when I'm, if I say something they agree with or whatever. Uh, And, and, and for me, that's just because it communicates, man, they, they are getting it. They're getting it. It's not that I need like, please encourage me because I was a middle child. Uh, It's, it's, it helps me feel like, wow, they're really listening and they're getting this. And I just want people to grow as a person who leads worship, what does it do for you? What does it mean for you when you can look into an audience and see someone honestly and sincerely engaging in worship towards God?
4: I think that there's really no greater feeling than that. Um, We get the benefit of having a first row seat to to that experience that you guys have. Um, It's very humbling. for us, it's uh, it's very much a realization that no matter what we do up here, no matter if we miss a note or we we miss a chord or whatever, God is moving and God has God has this room and His presence is very real. For me, worship is something very personal because I grew up um, in a wonderful with a wonderful church experience, but it was one where. Um, you know everything that you felt. We were on fire for God. We had ever, all the great, wonderful feelings inside for God. We got excited. We we had revival. We had Friday night singings. Uh, we had we had potlucks. We had all of these things together in, in a way to, to fellowship. But all of our expression towards God was very much kept inside. Um, To raise your hand was never anything that you ever saw. You might hear an amen every now and again, but that was from one of the elders usually. Um, And so to to really express yourself to God is something that that we didn't do. So as I got into my adult life, I really struggled with, am I giving him back enough? Am I enough? Am I doing enough for him? Because I fully understood how great he was and all the things that he had done and sacrificed for me. But am I returning that in worship with him? And so I really struggled with that. So now um, where I am in in this place, whenever I look out and I see worship with you guys, it's amazing. And that looks so very different. Um, Some of you close your eyes and are just just in awe in his presence. Some of you are clapping, which is wonderful. Um, I'm not very coordinated, so I love seeing people clapping and getting into it that way. Some of you are on your knees and, and are weeping because of the place that you are in with the Lord. Um, and some of you can't even contain yourself. You're so excited. And you need that space. And you need to be able to move. And, and that's all wonderful. But the thing about it is that I think I learned the most um, through my journey is that God loves us all kinds of worship and it is very much a matter of the heart and it's a very much a matter of just your connection with the Lord and he he thinks every kind of worship is beautiful so for us to get to be up here and to witness that encounter and to witness his presence touching you and the just you looking into the face of God is just it's it's more than we can really fully describe it's
0: cool very cool very cool yeah Madison, uh, you know, we, we all probably have like our favorite song uh, that we do that you guys lead us in and, and uh, we get excited when we hear that song or everybody's probably got like their favorite song, K-Love or, or whatever it is, like you can't wait for it to come around. But I, I'm curious for you, like as a worship leader, I'm sure you have your favorite songs, uh, things that, that you like to sing. And so kind of a, a, an interesting question, what would be a song if you, could, if you could sing it with us as your church family, what would be a song that you would want to sing this year?
1: Well, there's different types of songs. I feel like we just sing a song that says, I believe in Jesus, I believe in the resurrection and stuff. And that's just kind of like a declaration. The song that really is sitting with me and it's sitting with my wife right now is actually one of those songs that just goes, it goes straight to your soul. And it's just a message and it breathes a message into you. And it's a song called Seasons by Hillsong. And it's actually on their Christmas album. We heard it several weeks ago. And it starts off the verse is kind of, it's very metaphorical towards nature and stuff. But when I heard the bridge, I mean, I was, I just listened to it and I was like, oh my Lord, this is unbelievable. It went straight through me and it says... I can see the promise. I can see the future. You're the God of seasons. I'm just in the winter. If all I know of harvest is that it's worth my patience. And if you're not done working, God, I'm not done waiting. And that just resonated with me because my wife and I, we just went through a season of our life ending 2017. It was busy and it was one of the hardest seasons that we had ever gone through. We weren't seeing each other very often and we were just ready for it to be done. And, you know, ready, like, gosh, can you just, can you just speed this up? And it, that song just reminded me that our God is a God of process. He takes His time, and I have to trust that He is who He says He is, and I have to believe that He's going to do what He says He's going to do. And He's moved us into a different season. we have grown up with a new semester that I'm already kind of like, all right, God, I'm ready for this season to be over too. I'm ready, for, I'm ready for something a little bit easier than this, but I just have to trust and I just have to believe that he is going to provide for the next season.
0: I guess that song will be on repeat for a while then. Uh, M- Melissa, what, what song? Uh, what, what is a song that is resonating with, with you and Brad and your kids right now? What's the song for your family right now?
4: Well, at any given moment, if you come into our house, you'll probably hear music playing. We're just, uh, we're a very musical family, and um, we always have been, and so um, we, we always, Brad and I really have found to be very intentional about trying to always create an atmosphere of worship in our home. So even from the time that we get up and I'm making breakfast, we have worship music playing um, on the way to school, while the kids are doing homework in the afternoons, because it's really important to us that whenever we send our kids out into the world, they have they are armed with the scripture. They're armed with a message through song, which is something we really connect to that can arm them um, for the things of this world. Um, that's not always perfect because there are a lot of times that whenever um, Colin and Maddie are fighting over toys and they're squabbling with each other, it's like Alexa, Jesus! And so then you know, Alexa thankfully will play Jesus music for us and get us right back into worship. Um, and so that is something that you know we definitely try to create um, right now. Specifically, our big song is um, Yahweh by Elevation Worship. Um, Yahweh, in a simplest in its simplest form, means I am. But to really go deeper than that, um, Yahweh is, of course, another word for God, um, Jehovah. And before what we could ever think of that would be the beginning, he was there long before the beginning to us. But, you know, long after anything that we would ever consider as the end, he goes beyond that. And anything that comes next is in his command. Um, He was not something that was created, but is the creator. Um, He is All He is everything. He is the being. Um, And it's kind of hard to wrap my head around a lot. And um, there's a bridge in the middle of the song that it says, he who was and is to come is the one who lives in us, the great I am, Yahweh. And I'm just like, wow. Because I get so consumed by the things of the earth, by things that I want, by decisions that we have to make that, you know, stress, worries. Am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? And it's so easy to get consumed in the things of the world. And he is the world. He is more than the world. And he is consumed with me. And he pursues me. And so that Yahweh, that, that song and that reminder for me is huge every time I hear it. Because why would I want to be consumed with anything else than, than him and, and everything that he is for me? So that's our song.
0: Cool. I like it. I like it. Ethan. Uh... A lot of people know or may not know that, that some of the songs that we do, they're written in-house, written by people on the worship team. What some may not know is that God has given you a gift for, for writing songs. And, uh, and we haven't done any of his songs yet. Um, but, but Ethan actually is a songwriter. And, and so what have you learned uh, through writing worship songs that would help us, that, that we could implement in, in our lives for the average person who doesn't write worship songs, how does being a songwriter? How can how can we apply that in our lives?
5: Um, before I answer that, I don't get an opportunity. I'm going off road for a second. I don't get an opportunity to do this. But y'all, there are, there are around 50 people on our worship team, and a lot of them were up here today, and some weren't. Um, but I just want to honor them. Um, they're incredible. Let's give them give, give them around. definitely couldn't do what we do without all of them. So, um, but kind of to answer the question about songwriting, I'm going to kind of look at this from a different, a different angle. Um, first of all, songwriting is work. Like it could take years to write a song. Um, God can give you a thought and then like 10 years later it's finished. And it is a process. It takes discipline. It takes, um, perseverance. It takes patience, it takes vulnerability and I will go ahead and tell you, I am not the most patient person, um, and I, believe it or not, I'm not the most confident person. Um, I do have some insecurity, and I used to deal with pride a lot. And but it, it is a process, and especially in worship music, it takes the. It, it starts with being in the Word. It starts with spending time in His presence daily, and um, it is a process. And. Even after you have the shell of a song, you, take, you, you refine it, you fine-tune it, you may change things several times. Um, I'm my own worst critic, and so things will change a lot. And then I end up back at the beginning. <laughs> and when you're done with the song, um, it may be completely different. And, and then after all of that's done, we may not even sing it. And that's happened to one of my songs before. And For someone who's struggled with pride, who's struggled with um, insecurity, that can be a blow. It can be a huge blow to your confidence in your area of gifting. And so, but I, I relate that to God. You know, our walk with Christ, he is always refining us. He is always working on our hearts. It is what Madison was saying about seasons. Like, it is a long process of him making us more like Jesus. And I don't know... If you, one of my favorite movies is, is called Mr. Holland's Opus. Well, it sounds weird. Um, have, has anybody ever seen that movie? Oh, yes. It's so good. Y'all, if y'all haven't seen it, you need to see it. I have it. You can borrow it. We may need to make a list so I can get it back. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a movie about this guy named, named Glenn Holland, and he is a composer. He is a musician. He has a band. Um, but he gives that all up. He sets that aside to um, take a teaching job for a few, like three or four years. That was his plan um, to support his family. What, what was planned to be three or four years turned into 30 years, him, being, him teaching. And he, throughout that time, like he, he had this dream to, to write this, this symphony. And if you know what an opus is, it's like um, it is a, a lifetime work. Like it is, it's like your crowning achievement as an artist or a musician. And so it gets to the end of the movie and he's been there for 30 years. He finds out that's his passion, his teaching, and then all of a sudden the music program gets cut. And he basically is forced out of his job. And then he immediately started questioning his purpose. He started questioning, well, what have I been doing these past 30 years? It's been pointless. I haven't written a song. I haven't done any of this. I haven't had time to work on my music. And all of a sudden it's just gone you know, and, and everything that I've done. So the funny thing is the interesting thing at the end of the movie, like there's a surprise ceremony for him that he had no clue about. And he's walking into this auditorium full of past students, current students of, of people that his, that he's lives, that he's impacted. And one of his former students is now the mayor. And she gets up and she's given the speech and, and she says something like this. She's like, you know, Mr. Holland may feel his life has been misspent. Um, rumor had it that he was always working on on this symphony of his that was going to make him rich. It's was going to make him famous. Um, but he's not rich, and he's not famous, at least not side, outside of our little town. And, she, and then she looked at him, and she says, look around you. And there is not a life in this room that you have not touched. We are the notes and the melodies of your opus. And y'all... You and I, creation, as cheesy as this may sound, we are the notes and the melodies of God's opus. He is orchestrating everything. Um, It says in Ephesians 2 that we are his masterpiece. And, you know, things may not go in your life the way that you expected them to. You may be going through a storm right now. You may be going through a lot of different things. But I promise you, when you take a step of faith and you, and you decide to declare the name of Jesus and worship him, y'all, he can write a new verse in your, song, in your life. You're, at the risk of sounding cliche, <laughs> your life is a song meant to glorify God, period. Every circumstance, every mountain, every valley, your life is a song to glorify God. And he can write something new. He's refining us and changing us. And I guess that's how I relate to that. It's pretty good.
0: The biggest question that any of us will try to answer in our life is what is my purpose? Like, what, what, am, I, what am I doing? What, is, what was I created for? And you can let that be a mundane routine. You can let that be just getting up, waking up to the same old alarm clock and the same old bed and the same old house. You can just let it be the same old job, the same old routine and the same old Netflix show. It can be that, but when you have a revelation and you understand that what you were created for is worship, all of those things that used to be mundane change because now everything that you do you point it towards your heavenly father and say, this may not be the most exciting season. It may be one of the most difficult seasons I've ever been through, but whatever it is, I know that it is a part of your plan and your purpose. And I'm a part of your opus and I'm gonna trust you. And I, and I know that there's some of us, many of us in this room, we believe that. And we live that. We live that, that, that what we do every day in our jobs, whatever it is that we, we worship God. There's some of us that are believers, but we have gotten away from living our life like that. And so life has become mundane and it's become just a struggle. And then there are some of us that what we've been talking about today sounds like a foreign language the only thing that you can relate it to is there's other things in your life that are the biggest priority for you. You spend the most time and the most money on, and those are the things that you worship. And that's the only thing that you can relate to. But you've sensed in your spirit that you have not found fulfillment in that place. And the only place that you can find fulfillment is when you worship your creator. It's in that place that everything else and all the other time and all the other things that you aim at, those are the only way those things find any amount of fulfillment. It's by finding fulfillment first and foremost in him. So I want everybody to close your eyes in this place. Bow your heads. I want to just give you a chance today to have a relationship with Jesus. And, uh, I don't know we've gone a little long today, but I'm just gonna ask for everyone to remain still in this place. We'll be done here in a little bit, but don't leave until the service is over. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never confessed him as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you did, but you realize that you have not been living a life of worship towards him. You've gotten away from that and you need to rededicate your life to him. If you're either one of those people, I want to give you a chance to to find purpose. The only purpose. If that's you, nobody looking around, would you please put your hand up? And as soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. You want to give your life to Jesus? Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I want to give my life to Jesus. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Got it right here. Anybody else? Got it. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to make him my Lord and Savior. Okay, I got you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Got it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for moving in these people's hearts. Anybody else? Okay. Every person that that just raised your hand, there might have been some that didn't raise your hand, but this is definitely where your heart is. Raising your hand doesn't get you saved, but I think it just is an act of faith and of your will that opens you to the grace of God. But if you're ready to come to him and make him your Lord and Savior today, just talk to him and say, God, here's my life. And I know that I've made a lot of mistakes and I'm a sinner and I confess that I'm a sinner, but I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. And I thank you, Jesus, that you defeated my sin and you defeated death and the grave. And and right now I surrender to you as my Lord and as my Savior. I want you to have control of my life. I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for you. And I ask God that you would come and help me understand my purpose. Lord, that I would live every day of my life and every moment as an act of worship. Lord, I thank you that We have a church with so many people that live this way, but Lord, we want to be known as a church that doesn't just worship you in the first 25 minutes of a service, but we are a people who glorify you and worship you in every part and every piece of our lives. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, please let us know about it. You can let us know on one of the connect cards. Now we'd love to see that uh, here in a little bit. And uh, we're gonna worship God a little bit more. Are you guys okay with that? We're gonna worship God a little bit more, but here in a second, uh, in a little bit, there's gonna be a prayer team coming down here. If you have any other prayer needs that you would like to get prayed for, I'd encourage you even during these songs, please come down here, they'd love to pray for you. But this next song we're going to do, it's called Build My Life. And there are many songs that we could sing that I think speak directly to, to what we've been talking about today. Um, But I think this song just has a lot of lyrics. It talks about how important it is that every area of our lives is focused on Him. And so I believe some of you are gonna be able to worship God now in a way that you've never been able to worship Him. Some of you, it's gonna be the first time you've been able to worship Him as your Lord and Savior. Uh, Some of you, maybe the first time in a long time. And then there's some of you that you're gonna be able to go to a new level in Him, a new level of expression in worship, Uh, Some of you may raise your hand for the first time. And here's the thing. It's not about bringing attention to yourself. It's about bringing glory to him, but you don't need to worry about anybody that's around you because they're not looking at you. They're gonna be focused on Jesus. But I promise you this, if you will step out, if you'll take a risk, if you'll be bold, God is going to honor it. You're gonna experience his presence and a closeness to his presence in a way that maybe you never have before. And I would encourage you to trust him with that. Let's sing this song together.